took me a long time, but I have finally seen that the only path to victory is through defeat. I am coming to the end of myself. I surrender. Good morning. It is great to see you guys. Welcome to Seacoast Church. Uh, my name is Josh Saran. I'm one of the teaching pastors here and just excited to be with you this weekend. I want to welcome all of our campuses that are joining us. If you're here in the Charleston area or Columbia, uh, Manning, Greenville, North Carolina, we were with all the campus pastors this, this past weekend uh, at our ARC conference, which is a church planning organization that uh, Pastor Greg is the president of. And so we were able to be together. You guys have great leadership. Love your teams. Uh, also want to welcome those of you that are joining us on the internet uh, maybe your, your computer, maybe you're on an iPad or an iPhone or a lesser mobile device. Um, we're glad that you're here too. Um, some of you caught that. That was my Apple prejudice coming through. But, but we, are, we are glad that you're here. And before we get started, though, I wanted to just sort of acknowledge and, and uh, say a couple of words about just the week that we've had as a country. Obviously, it's been a crazy uh, week and a difficult week in, in many ways. Uh, I watched, as most of you did on Monday, uh, beginning in Boston with the, the bombings, and then Wednesday night, uh, the tragedy over in Waco, Texas area with the, the explosion that happened there. And, and a couple of thoughts that I had. The, the first thought, obviously, was to pray for them, and I want us to do that here in a moment. But I also thought, man, I, it's moments like that that you realize as you're watching the screens uh, that there's, most people are running away from these scenes, and there's a group of brave people that are actually running towards uh, and the, the law enforcement, the EMS workers, firemen, any safety response people. I just thought, man, I'm grateful to live in a country where we have such great law enforcement and such brave people. So here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to acknowledge those ones that were involved in those specific ones, but I also want to acknowledge those of you that are here. So if you're in law enforcement or if you're in an emergency response uh, position, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. Just slip them up. Awesome. Let's give them a round of applause and just thank them for what they do. And I do want to just pray. I want to open up by just praying for the people that have been impacted. I, I believe that prayer is more than just something we do to go through the motions. I believe that there's power in prayer, and I believe that the church's response is to pray. It's also to go, to be there, to be the church for people. And, and as opportunities open up, if they do, uh, we'll certainly be a part of that. But, but let's, as a church, just pray for, for those people today and, and, and let our hearts go there. God, we just thank you so much. Uh, for your sovereignty. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who knows suffering, <clears throat> who knows suffering well. Uh, you're a God who watched your son uh, die on a cross and ex experience incredible pain and suffering. So I just pray, Lord, that you would draw near, that you would, you would draw close to the situation, those that have lost loved ones. <clears throat> we just pray that you would be present in their midst. Uh, we know in your word that you, you draw near to the brokenhearted. And so we pray that you would draw near in that situation. Lord, those that uh, have been injured and, and face a brand new reality, Lord, that they, they never expected to be facing, uh, we again just pray that you would draw, draw close, you would comfort, you would wrap them uh, just with a big old hug, that they would know that you're near. God, we thank you and we love you and we, we just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in a series right now called White Flag, and, and I, I think it's interesting, definitely not a coincidence, that God knew many, many months ago as we were preparing that we'd be talking about the subject that we're talking about this weekend. But, but if, you, if you're new to Seacoast or, or you missed last week, we kicked off a brand new series called White Flag, and you're like, what is that all about? White Flag, as you know, is a, a symbol of surrender. 
And in Ephesians chapter 4, which is where we're going to be hanging out if you have your Bibles or, or a smartphone device, whatever it is, uh, go to Ephesians chapter 4 and Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And basically what he's talking to them about is unity. Talking to them about how they can be, be the best church that they can be, how they can appropriately and accurately reflect Jesus in their community. And he says, one thing you have to have is unity as a church. And then he goes on at the end of that chapter to talk about four different things that, that we've got to stop doing in the church. We've got to have a, a zero tolerance for these things. We've got to wave the white flag on these things. And last weekend, we talked about lying. If you remember, Greg talked about lying and how lying breaks down trust. And we've got to be willing to, to wave the white flag on, on lying and, and repent of lying. And this week, our topic is going to be anger. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about it together. But before we do, I want to open up with a question. How many of you would admit to having lost your temper at least one time within the past month? Anybody? Raise your hand. All right. You guys are getting better after that lying message. You're actually, <clears throat> actually telling the truth. Give you some facts about anger. Did you know that the average man loses his temper six times a week? Average man, I talked to a guy last night who said, I thought you were going to say six times a day. I'm above average <laughs> kind of guy. The average woman loses her temper about three times per week unless she has young kids in the home. And then that goes up a little bit. <laughs> Women tend to get angry at people. Men often get mad at things. Have you ever realized that as men? And if you've ever been on the internet recently, you've seen somebody probably go on a Facebook rant where they just sort of blow up. And in fact, 71% of internet users have admitted to a case of net rage. 50% have responded by hitting a computer or throwing a phone. I've got a picture of that one, I think. That's <clears throat> right out of our office this week. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But you know that feeling. Many of you have that feeling where you just want to throw your phone or something's not working the way that it's supposed to. And, and, and you, you get this, this feeling of anger kind of rises up. Did you know that there, as, there are as many clients today seeking mental health services for anger and dealing with their anger is there are clients seeking services for depression and anxiety. Singles express anger twice as often as marrieds. Some of you are married going, I don't remember being this mad when I was single, but it's, it's, it's the truth. <clears throat> Men tend to be more physical in their anger. And where do you think the most likely place to express anger is? It's the home, the home. See, the truth is every one of us gets angry from time to time. It's a normal natural human emotion. In fact, I believe it's a God-given emotion. If you look at Jesus's life, you know, Jesus got angry. Some of you remember when he came into the temple and realized that a place that was intended to be the house of God, a house of worship, had been turned into a place where crooks could make money and he flipped the, 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 the tables. He, he got upset, he got angry. God got angry. So what, is, what does Paul have to say about anger? Let's look at it. The, the verse that we're gonna be looking at together, it's Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So what, what does it not say? It doesn't say that anger is a sin, right? It says, it doesn't say we shouldn't feel angry. It says when we sin or when, we, when we're angry, we should not sin. And I was thinking about that verse and I thought, you know, at least the way that I see life, there's about two different types of people as it relates to anger. Uh, some of us are more like an avocado. You guys had an avocado recently? When you cut into an avocado, what happens? Well, what color is it? <clears throat> it's green, right? Well, within just a few minutes after leaving it set out, if you've ever had guacamole, what color does it turn? 
brown and it happens quickly. And some of you with anger, you're like an avocado. When someone cuts you, you respond quickly. You, you lash out. Maybe you've got a short fuse. Maybe you, you kind of tend to, to lose your temper pretty frequently. And many times people who are, are wired with, with strong like leadership skills or a type A personality, often the besetting sin of those personalities is anger. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to be angry, but often those kinds of people tend to get angry quickly. And probably about half of us would say, yeah, I probably have a pretty short fuse, at least when I'm, when I'm not working on it. And then the other half of us, we're not like avocados, we're like pumpkins. And I couldn't find a pumpkin. Some of you still have them sitting out on your, your porch, but I didn't feel comfortable taking it. But you, you know, a pumpkin, uh, you, you can sit a pumpkin out and you can, you can sit it on your porch and it can look fine for months and months at a time. You know, in fact, I've tried it for a few months at a time, but, but what happens when you go to a pumpkin after it's been out for a long time and pick it up, it kind of falls apart. It's, it, it's, it's, it, and so a lot of us are like a pumpkin and that when something happens to you, you don't notice anything right away. It's, it's not like you blow up or you have a short fuse. You just kind of go with the flow. That's sort of my personality, my temperament would be to just kind of go with the flow. But if, if we don't deal with our anger, eventually we'll implode. And this scripture says, hey, don't, don't lose control. In other words, when you're throwing a temper tantrum, you're not in control, right? So don't let your anger control you. That's a sin. Talking to that first group of people. But hey, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't, don't just let hang on to it. Don't, don't let it linger. So it kind of, this scripture hits all of us. Whether you're a quick fuse kind of person or whether you're a stuff it, kind of hang, it, hang on to it, keep it inside kind of a person. At the end of the day, scripture says, don't sin by letting anger control you. And then it says, Anger gives a foothold to the devil. In other words, when we don't deal with our anger properly, we basically invite the devil into our lives. We give him access into our soul. We say, come on in and wreak havoc, and he does. He begins to, to wreak havoc on our lives. We might look good on the outside, but, but often nasty stuff is going on inside of us if we were just being honest. You may be wondering about the refrigerator. We have, we have a refrigerator at work. Do you guys, any of you guys have refrigerators at your workplace? So it, it's a good thing, right? I mean, if you could see inside of this refrigerator, hopefully nothing will fall out. You know, I've got some water and some leftovers and, and the refrigerator is a good thing. We, we use it because often people will pack their own lunches, right? And you'll come in and you'll stick your lunch in the refrigerator and keep it fresh until you get to it. Or you go have a nice lunch and you, you, you order a little bit more than you can eat. You bring it home. You go, man, I'm going to eat some leftovers. And that's a good thing. Problem is, we have some people, even on our staff, even, even in a church staff, we have some people that would put their leftovers in the fridge thinking that they're going to get to them later, and they don't. And then what happens at Seacoast is an all-staff email goes out. And the email, I don't know why, it usually comes from our accounting department. I don't know if that's some, there's something there spiritually or what, but, but the email usually says, hey, uh, whoever had Chang's for lunch a couple weeks ago, if you could you know, kind of deal with that, uh, clean, clean up your mess, that would be nice, I'm not your mom, kind of that, that sort of an email. It's, it's, it's tempered, but you can tell that there's some frustration in there. And then typically a couple of days, maybe weeks later, someone walks in, opens the fridge, and it nearly knocks them on the floor. You guys had that experience? Like something has died in the refrigerator. And then a, a, another all-staff email comes out. And this one's in all caps, um, and this one's not as nice, and it typically says, Help! We need your help. Something has died in the refrigerator. All, all, all hands on deck. We need a team to come in and clean this thing out because it's causing problems. It's, been, it's gotten disgusting. Some of you have had that sort of an experience. All because someone didn't deal with their leftovers properly. You know, anger is the same way. When anger becomes sin, 
But when we allow it to control us, when we don't deal with it appropriately, it, it, it begins to control us. It begins to, to wreak havoc. It, it begins to sour and spoil other aspects of our lives. You know, it, it, it starts to, to wreak havoc, to cause problems in our relationships, sometimes in our health. Uh, and, and typically, it makes things a lot more complicated. If instead of cleaning it up on a daily basis, instead of dealing with it, we, we allow it to kind of run, run rampant in our lives, it'll, it'll cause problems. And often, I'm on the receiving end of that all caps help email. And, and it says something like this. It says, she's moved out. I don't know what's happened, but, but, but we're not talking anymore. Or, or he, he won't speak to me. He, he's just clammed up. He, he, he won't even speak to me anymore. Or I, I feel lonely. I don't have any friends. Can you help me? And often, if you dig down, if you get back to the root of it, there's been an anger issue that, that's not been dealt with. Somebody had leftovers, and they didn't deal with them properly. It's no wonder that Proverbs says in chapter 25, verse 28, says, if you cannot control your anger... You are as a city without walls, open to attack, open to attack. And I think many of us, if we were just being honest today, uh, we're here and we're worshiping, but, but if we were just being real honest about our, the condition of our hearts, we're living a life that's, that's kind of like a city without walls. We're open to attack because there's anger that hasn't been resolved, hasn't been dealt with, and it's beginning to cause problems, and, and you've given a foothold to the enemy because of, because of the leftovers, the, the anger that you haven't dealt with. And so what I wanna do with the rest of our time together is I just wanna talk about how do we keep leftovers from ruining our lives? How, how, do, how do we live our lives in a way that we aren't gonna allow leftovers to, to spoil our lives? And the first thing we have to do is we have to understand the decaying process because all of us, are, we're, we're like this refrigerator. And if, if we allow these leftovers to, 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 to spoil us, if we allow this anger to, to, to take root, then it's gonna ruin everything around us. So we have to understand the decaying process. And so I brought with me a peach to help, help display that. This peach has gotten more nasty looking throughout the weekend, but at the beginning of the weekend, it was pretty good. And, and at some point, this peach was plucked from a tree, right? And as soon as it was plucked from the tree, it began to decay. You didn't notice it much at first, but if you didn't eat it in the first couple of days, eventually it starts to kind of shrivel up. And, and eventually stuff starts happening. In fact, we've got kind of a time-lapse video of some peaches decaying. And eventually stuff's going to start growing on it. Uh, it'll be mold. And if it's in your house, you'll see these fruit flies. Is anyone getting hungry? You guys ready for, for lunch? And eventually this peach would become unrecognizable because the decaying process would have taken it over. And in fact, what I did is, is we've got those peaches that look so appetizing. Got them in the, the, the bag here. You can't really see them very well. But um, I'm feeling generous. Does anybody want a peach? I'm, I'm willing to give them to you. Some of you are looking at me like, dude, that is disgusting. But I wanted to show it to you because anger is the same way. And many of us on the inside, we look like these peaches where, where, where we've allowed the anger to just destroy us and decay us. And you can't smell it, but I can. So I'm going to shut this refrigerator because that's, that's some nasty stuff in there. But, but how do we do it? How, how do we keep these leftovers from ruining us? Well, we have to understand where anger comes from. We have to understand Proverbs 19.11 says a man's wisdom gives him patience. And before we can jump into fixing the problem, let's learn about it a little bit. See, a few things usually contribute to anger. The most obvious one is hurt. Hurt causes anger. You see somebody, you may have somebody in your life that just is angry all the time. Don't forget that usually the root of that is hurt. Something's happened to them. 
You know, if you've ever been working uh, on, on a project and you, you, you hit your thumb with a hammer, what happened, right? It hurt, then you got angry, and then you said a bad word, right? Seco is something like gee whiz, you know, golly, but other churches, they use worse words than that. Um, I don't know, some of you may use them too. But, but maybe it was a failed relationship, you know? Uh, a relationship went south. And, and did you know that one out of three people who've gone through a divorce still admit to feeling intense anger over that 10 years later? And it expresses itself this way. You, you think, you know what, you took my reputation. You, you stole my family. You robbed me of my first marriage. Maybe you robbed me of my teenage years. You, you took away my innocence if that hurt came in the for, form of abuse. But, but we express it, and it's easy to believe that the only remedy is payback because usually when we get hurt, when, when there's anger involved, we feel like somebody's taken something from us and we wanna get them back. I'll get you. We feel like if we, if we cancel the debt, th- then we're letting the guilty party walk away. Hurt, hurt can cause anger. Frustration can cause anger. I know as a parent, this is the one I relate to the most in this season of my life. You know, uh, I've got a three-year-old daughter <clears throat> and um, you've heard of terrible twos. It's not true. It's terrible threes. Those of you that have kids come and just prepare, it's the threes, it's not the twos that you need to be worried about. Uh, there are times in our home where, and we love our kids, but where just getting them dressed, putting their shoes on is like a 25 minute process because uh, you, you can't control them. And as an, you know, you get frustrated and then you just start to feel this anger well up and, and then you start hitting, I'm just kidding, we don't do that, I promise you. Lisa told me not to say that, but, um, but it's, it's true. Sometimes you've waited in traffic and you're late to an appointment. You know that feeling of when it just kind of, your frustration starts to well up and it turns into anger and, and frustration can do it. Hurt, frustration, sometimes insecurity. Insecurity can cause anger. You know, we get angry when we feel threatened. Maybe we feel embarrassed. Somebody criticizes us. And I know my, my first reaction when, when I feel insecure about something is to, to kind of well up and, and fight back, get angry. And if we, if we leave it unresolved, it starts to affect everything in our lives. The first thing it usually affects is our language. Mark Twain said this. He said, when angry, count to four. When very angry, swear. That's not the Bible, that's Mark Twain. Actually, the Bible says, don't use foul or abusive language. You know, because often our anger will kind of express itself in our language. If you speak when you're angry, you'll probably make the best speech that you'll ever regret. See, the problem is our anger refuses to remain isolated or appropriately focused. It always kind of spreads into different areas of our lives. It starts to grow. You may start to believe that everyone owes you. You start treating everyone as if they're a debtor. They can't do enough. They can't get it right. And it becomes this disease. It's a heart disease. It really is. If we don't treat it quickly, it'll kill us and it'll kill our relationships. So our first step is to understand how it works Understand that, that there's something behind that. And for some of us, it may be a deep something behind that. You, need to, you, you may need to get further counseling and help to kind of really understand where is this coming from and why am I lashing out in the ways that I am. The second thing we do though, is we need to identify the leftovers that have exceeded the expiration date. Identify the leftovers that have exceeded the expiration date. See, if, if, if your refrigerator is like mine, there's almost always leftovers in there, aren't there? <laughs> I mean, the key is figuring out which ones are causing the problems. See, anything beyond the expiration date is going to start to spoil. And so this next step about identifying, it really involves some just getting honest with yourself, looking inward, looking into your, and going, what's going on 
in my life? Is there anything going on? Is there any area of unresolved anger that I've not dealt with yet? And what's the expiration date on anger? The Bible says sundown. Psalms 4.4 reiterates, it says, in your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. So Old Testament, New Testament says that the, the expiration date is sundown. It's a bummer to get mad just before sundown, isn't it? Get mad in the morning so you can hang on to it all day long and then, then get rid of it. I know there have been times in my marriage where I haven't slept for 14, 15 days because of this verse. It drives me crazy. But if we let them grow, some things end up getting so old that they're unidentifiable. We don't even know what's going on. We don't even know why we're acting the way that we are. Some, some things have been there so long that they have other things growing on them. Bitterness, rage, anger. Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. But the truth is, before we can get rid of it, we have to admit it's there. We have to identify it. We have to put our finger on it and acknowledge that it's there. Often when anger is controlling us, we're the last ones to find out, aren't we? If you really want to know, do I have an anger problem? I would suggest the best thing you can do is ask someone who's close to you. Ask, ask your spouse, ask a friend, ask someone that knows you well. If they pause before answering, they're trying to not lie to you because they heard the message last week, but, but they may be afraid to tell you the truth. If while they're telling you about your anger problem, you feel yourself kind of like it's like a volcano is going off inside of you, it's a good indication that there may be an anger problem. Don't forget the verse we read it last week, Proverbs 27, 6. It says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Appreciate their honesty. If you feel compelled to interrupt quickly, defend yourself, there's probably an anger issue in there. If you just wanna clam up and run away, and be quiet, not deal with it, there's probably an anger issue going on underneath the surface. If you find yourself getting angry at your friend for answering a question that you asked them, there's probably an issue. If you're angry at me right now for bringing it up, don't shoot the messenger, okay? Just, just bring in the, the, the truth of God's word. See, people with anger issues, we usually have a story to tell. And usually you can trace that back to a hurt, to, to, to a story, something happened. And you say, Josh, you need to hear my story. If you knew my story, then you would understand why I'm angry. And it's as if your story explains why you overreact, why maybe you say things that you regret, why you lash out at others who fall short of expectations. Your story and your mind, it accounts for your temper, your moodiness, your unpredictable reactions. And from your, your perspective, your story justifies everything. And, and, and let me, I don't wanna be, be trite about your story. I don't wanna minimize your hurt by any means, but at the end of the day, our story is a built-in excuse. See, you're right, I don't know what you've been through. And I know in this room, there's so much pain represented, so many, so many hurts that people have gone through. But I do know this, I know that you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. You can control what we allow it to do to us. And, and, and the problem is, is if you've sinned in your anger, God can't heal an excuse. God can't help you clean up an excuse. God can only forgive confessed sin. Look at Proverbs 28, 13. It says, you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. See, I would argue there's a better use for your story. Not, not as an excuse, 
but as a testimony to God's faithfulness to heal, as a testimony of God's ability to free you from the past. God never wastes a hurt. Yeah, I was able to spend some time uh, listening to Rick Warren this week, and many of you, if you know Rick, he's a pastor out in Saddleback, and just two weeks ago, his son, 26 years old, committed suicide. And, and Rick, this is the first time he'd been with any pastor since then, and, and he talked and he, and he cried and he talked about the pain, but he said that. He said, you know what? God never wastes a hurt. And, and I love what he said because he said, Satan's not gonna win on the issue of mental health issues because it's out in the open now. We're gonna talk about it, we're gonna deal with it, and we're gonna help others. We're gonna use this situation to, to help others who are dealing with a similar thing. And I believe that's true. I believe God doesn't wanna waste your story. He wants to use it to help other people who are going through a similar circumstance. So if we wanna keep the leftovers from ruining our lives, we have to understand the process, know what it's doing to you. We have to identify where, where, where is anger at work in my life? And I would just ask you that question. Where are there, un, uh, the, 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 there are leftovers in your life that need to be dealt with and, 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 and bring them to mind, bring them to your heart. The third thing we do is we ruthlessly clean out everything that needs to go ruthlessly clean out everything that needs to go. This is where anger goes from a feeling to a choice. And, and I'll be honest with you, you don't have to do this. You don't have to clean it out. The, the truth is you can get a new refrigerator and you can move on. And many people do that. You, you find a new relationship, a new wife, a new, new circle of friends, a new job. The problem is you're gonna carry that stench of the leftovers with you into the new relationships. And it's like putting new food into a bad refrigerator. You know, it's, it's gonna spoil, it's gonna continue to cause problems and wreak havoc in your relationships. So I'd ask you this question. How long are you gonna allow people that often you don't even like? For some of you, they're not even in your life anymore. Some of them may already be deceased, passed away. H how long are you gonna let them control your life? Go ahead and take out a calendar. Pick a date. You know, when you think about it that way, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we would allow somebody who's not even in our life, or maybe there's somebody that, that they are, but they've hurt you. It's ridiculous that we would allow them to continue to hurt us and to influence our current relationships and to spoil our future relationships. So you're trying to put new food into a bad refrigerator. We've got to ruthlessly clean out the refrigerator. We've got to ruthlessly clean it out. How do we do it? How do you clean out your spiritual refrigerator? I want us to read the next verse together. It's Ephesians 4.32. Let's read it out loud at all of our campuses. It says, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I want you to circle, asterisk, underline the phrase, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. That, the cleansing agent for spoiled relationships is forgiveness. See, most bitterness, rage, anger, it typically has a name on it. It's, it's got a story, someone did something to you, a circumstance happened and, and, and forgiveness is the only cleansing agent that's gonna get rid of the problem. And it requires three basic actions and it may sound simple, I'm not saying it's easy. The first thing you do to forgive is you surrender your right to get even. You surrender your right to get even. Romans 12, 19 says, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I will take care of it. See, forgiveness is saying, you know what? You deserve to be hurt. You deserve to experience consequences, but I'm not gonna do it. I I'm not gonna punish you. I'm giving up that right. I'm waving the white flag on my right to get even. And it sounds unfair. 
And I'm reminded that my dad told me all through my childhood, life is not fair, and it's true. But the, the truth is, God is, if, if you insist on righting all wrongs, if, if you want to be the guy that makes everything right, then, then you're going to live a frustrated and angry life. I know when I heard about the Boston Marathon bombings, obviously my heart and prayers went out to the circumstances and I watched on TV, but, but it wasn't long before those feelings of sadness turned into feelings of anger. And I think it was righteous anger. I mean, it's okay to be mad about injustice happening. In fact, my wife works for the A21 campaign and that started because of, I believe, righteous anger at an injustice. But for me, I kept watching the news and, and, and this anger kept welling up. And then I started thinking about what I'd like to do to this coward who did this. And, and, and I realized that, that I was allowing this thing to fester and I was growing. And it's not even a situation that, that impacted me directly. So it felt like God reminded me, dude, it's not your job. I'm gonna balance the scales one day. And so I prayed this prayer and I would encourage you to pray this prayer if you're dealing with anger towards someone. It goes something like this. God, I, I'm gonna let you settle the score. Please do it quickly and severely. I added that part. <laughs> but in the meantime... In the meantime, I relinquish my right to get even. Fill me with your peace. You've got to be willing to, to give up your right to get even. Second aspect is you, you rediscover the humanity of your wrongdoer. Rediscover the humanity of your wrongdoer. When we get mad, we usually define the person who hurt us by what they did, don't we? And, 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 and we go, that's the cheater. That's the abuser. That's, that's my ex. That's the person who wronged me. That's the liar. That's the guy that fired me. That's the jerk. And we define them with labels based on what they did to us. The truth is all of us are sinners. We've all intentionally wronged other people in our lives. We've lied. We've been selfish. Many of us have gossiped. We've slandered about people. We've all done it. And I would just ask you, how would you like to be labeled by your worst moment? How would you like to be labeled by your worst sin. And we don't label ourselves that way because we know our intentions. We know that we make mistakes, but we often take the humanity away from the person who wronged us and we label them by what they did to us. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. That includes you, that includes me. Rediscover the humanity of the person who hurt you. And then lastly, we, we learn to wish our wrongdoer well. We wish our wrongdoer well. That's where it gets really hard, isn't it? I mean, are you serious, Josh? You want me to wish my wrongdoer well? Do you know what they did to me? But as we forgive, as we make the choice to forgive, remember, anger is a feeling, forgiveness is a choice. As we make that choice over time, the focus changes from God, please send a large truck to run them over, to, to focusing on their needs, seeing their humanity and, and praying for them instead of our hurt. That's how God forgives us. You know, he surrendered his right to get even. He got even through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we wouldn't have to experience all the consequences, all, all of the, the, the punishment for our sin. Know that there will be consequences for our sin, but through Jesus, we don't have to be punished for it because he relinquished the right to get even. He, he, he got even through sending his son to die on a cross for us. And there's no way that you can do this verse in Luke six twenty seven, which is one of Jesus' most difficult verses, says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And, and you can't do that apart from Jesus Christ. You can't do that apart from having experienced the forgiveness of, of a savior who loves you and loves you and sees through your worst moments and, and loves you in spite of them. So we've got to learn to access his love, his power, and learn to raise a white flag on the emotions and fully surrender 
to him. A couple other thoughts about forgiveness. It doesn't happen overnight. And I should clarify, forgiveness happens immediately. The choice is made immediately, but healing and, and the feelings, they, they sometimes take years to follow. So, so you begin the process right away, but the feelings usually take time. Just because you don't feel like you've forgiven them, that's because you're still dealing with hurt. But, but it's a choice that you can make right away. Just before he died, C.S. Lewis wrote, I think I have at last forgiven the cruel schoolmaster who so darkened my youth. I had done it many times before, but this time I think I have really done it. Honestly, if he had lived a little bit longer, he probably would have had to do it again because that's often the nature of it. And it doesn't require forgetting. Some of you have thought, well, I, I can't forgive because I can't forget. Of course you can't. Jesus can. God can forget, but we can't. And so what I would suggest to you is every time you remember the pain, use it as a time to remind yourself that you've forgiven them. Use it as a chance to kind of reinforce and, and, and remind yourself and forgive them again if you need to. Ideally, forgiving would lead to reconciliation, you know, where you would restore that relationship. The Bible says, if at all possible, live at peace with everyone, but it can't always happen. So don't get hung up on reconciliation. The divorce may be final and, and things that may have gone, gone forward. That person may be gone. That person may have not changed. It may be an abusive situation and, and reconciliation can't happen. But, but if we say that we can't forgive unless we can reconcile, then we basically give the keys to forgiveness to the other person. We can forgive regardless. We can forgive even, even if reconciliation can't happen. And the truth is forgiveness comes naturally to the forgiven. You know, if you're having a hard time forgiving somebody, it may be a great opportunity to remember the forgiveness that's been offered to you. Some may not have received that forgiveness, but, but, but forgiveness comes naturally when we surrender our lives to Christ, when we wave the white flag on living life our way. And many of you may wanna do that this weekend. I know here and at all of our campuses, we're gonna do a baptism this weekend. And, and some of you, you, you haven't been able to release anger because you've never experienced the forgiveness of Christ. And I just wanna remind you today that God loves you. He's pursued you for some of you to the point of getting you into this service today so that he could, he could shower you with his love and he could forgive you for the stuff that you've done wrong. And all it takes is us going, you know what? I understand that you died on the cross in and, 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 and place of me for my sin and for the sins of all of the world. And I wanna receive that forgiveness today. And if you do that, you can, you can pray a prayer. You can go get baptized today during our response time. We'd love for you to do that. And, and maybe, just maybe, as you go under the water, you'd experience the chains of that anger, that unforgiveness being broken in your own life. And you can, you can walk out of here having experienced the cleansing agent of forgiveness in our lives. So we learn to understand the decaying process. We identify the leftovers that are stinking up our lives, ruthlessly clean out the fridge, the fourth principle in dealing with leftovers is this. Commit to an ongoing maintenance system. Commit to an ongoing maintenance system. How often? Ephesians 4.26, I'll read it again. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Every night we ought to examine our heart. We ought to, we ought to regularly expose our heart to a team of people, a group of friends. Maybe it's a small group that you, you've been involved with. Maybe you started it during the Make Room series and you've gotten to a point where you're close enough and you can say, would you guys keep an eye on me? I mean, would you look for my blind spots? If you see my attitude going south, would, would you help me with that? That's a dangerous question to ask your spouse. Would you help me, remind me if you see any signs of bitterness or anger? Because the Bible says we ought to deal with this every single day. Don't let the sun go down on our anger. And we need to confess our anger for what it is. See, some see their anger as an asset. 
You've learned to leverage it in order to get your way, maybe to get things done. You think it makes you a better leader, more effective coach. You think your anger makes you a better parent because when you raise your voice, when you lose your temper, they, they fall in line and they listen to you. It's not a strength, it's a weakness. In fact, you're, you're never in a weaker position as a parent than when you're yelling at your kids. That's coming from a guy who has yelled at his kids. We all struggle with it. But when, we, when we're yelling, when we're using our anger as, as a leverage, we're actually show, exposing a weakness. We've lost control. We're allowing our anger to control us. See, anger is a weakness. It's a sin, and it alienates those around us. So I would close with one question. And this is a question that Jesus asked a, a, a lame man. If you remember in the Gospels, there was a man that was at the pool of Bethesda and, and he was lying there and he'd been lame for many, many years. Over 30 years, he'd had this illness. He wasn't able to move. And Jesus walks up to him and he asks him a really interesting question. And it's the same question that I think he wants to ask you today. He says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be made whole? And before you just go, yes, keep in mind that for that, that lame man laying at that pool, that meant a lot of change had to happen. That meant he had to get up. He was gonna have to pick up his mat. He, he was gonna have to move these circumstances and he probably had become comfortable with his dysfunction. He probably had become comfortable with his limitations and he learned how to work around it. And so I would ask you the same question. Do you want to be well? And know that it means if, you, if the answer is yes, that may mean you, you may have to forgive somebody that you swore all your life that you'd never forgive. That, that may mean you're gonna have to bring, bring a cleansing agent. You may have to confess some things to some people. You may have to ask for forgiveness. But at the end of the day, if you wanna be well, if you wanna be made whole, then I would suggest all of us bring this issue to Christ. Would you guys pray with me? God, I love you. I thank you so much for this church, for this family, this body of believers. And we go back to the, the heart of this series. Lord, and, and the heart of the letter that you, that you wrote to the church of Ephesus is that you want us to be unified. Lord, you want us to, to transform this community. You want us to transform the world. But Lord, you recognize that for our sake and for the sake of our community, there are some things we've got to be willing to wave the white flag on. So Lord, I just wanna agree with my brothers and sisters here. Those of us that say, Lord, today, we, we just wanna raise the white flag on our anger. God, we don't wanna let anger control us anymore. We, we want to stop letting it linger and fester. We want to deal with it and we want to deal with it immediately. So Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would break the chains of anger and un unforgiveness, of bitterness, of resentment, of rage, that you would just break them away as we surrender this issue to you today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you're not mad at us anymore. We thank you that because of what you did, and then sending your son Jesus to die for us so that you don't look at us with anger, that you look at us with love and forgiveness. We receive that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.